What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Rambling Radio Podcast. My name is Zach Kravitz, and I am currently in my parents' basement where everything began for me, pretty much. And I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pr- pretty sure you can hear, or you will hear, a bunch of ventilation, plumbing, like water running back and forth. And um, when I first started making YouTube videos, that would happen constantly. I would be in the middle of like a really just great thought, and I would get cut off by someone flushing the toilet because my office, my desk, my my workstation was down here as well as my bedroom. I had everything down here, which was such a big mistake. What I wanted to do with this podcast, this is, first of all, this podcast, I have no idea really where this is going to go, but I wanted it to be a platform where I could just get shit off my chest. I have so much to say, and with my YouTube videos, I feel like I have to filter myself because the story needs to make sense and it needs to flow and I need people to continue to engage throughout the whole video because we have such short attention spans these days and to keep someone's attention with video or or whatever, um, it's very difficult. So I feel like I've had to filter myself. So I needed a platform where I could just vent and rant and just get shit off my chest, you know, and that's where this podcast was born. So I don't really know where I'm going to go with this. All I know is that I'm going to be talking a lot about certain topics with filmmaking, entrepreneurship, business, relationships. We're going to get my girlfriend on here. We're going to get some of my friends. Uh, We'll get some guests, but mainly I think a lot of it is is just going to be me talking about certain experiences and and just shit that I have to say. Welcome. I hope you guys will, will tag along and, and stay. First thing I want to do, this is this is an intro episode and I've got I don't know how the audio is going to be. I've got my little handy recorder in my hand right now and I've got some vodka drink my dad made me. It's vodka and like uh like a lemonade mix or something like that, but it's pretty good, but it's getting me nice and loose, which is what I, I need right now. And it's Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. It's Christmas Eve when you're listening to this. So hope you guys are having an amazing holiday. Um, so this episode, this episode is an intro episode of the podcast. I want to tell you who I am, what I do, where I'm going, but more importantly, where or, or how how I got here. You know, um, I'm still very, very early along this this journey that I that I started a couple of years ago but um, I've, I've definitely experienced quite a bit so I wanted to share my journey thus far and then kind of some future goals if it doesn't get too long so sit back relax and enjoy this let's start where what I'm doing right now so like I said I'm a filmmaker and entrepreneur I did not know I was going to be an entrepreneur Basically, entrepreneurship these days is like the current day rock star. Um, being an entrepreneur and also being a photographer or filmmaker are like you're 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 a rock star if you're like a popular filmmaker on Instagram these days. It's crazy, you know. Being a photographer was not a cool thing to do. In fact, if you were a photographer, um, I don't know how many years ago, maybe even like five, six years ago. You were kind of a nerd. You were kind of just that weird kid with the camera. I did not 
want to be an entrepreneur. I did not want to be a filmmaker photographer. It just kind of landed in my lap. And then also the popularity of it um, on social media made it more appealing, especially with entrepreneurship. If I knew what it truly took to be an entrepreneur, I think I would have gotten scared and ran away. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And I think this is going to be an actual, like a separate podcast um, because I really want to talk about how entrepreneurship, mainly entrepreneurship, has become like such a trendy thing to do. If you're an entrepreneur, like you are the shit. You don't even have to be successful anymore. You just have to put in your Instagram profile that you're an entrepreneur and apparently you get like 10 bonus points. You're just automatically a cool person as as people seem to think. So I was pretty naive when I when I first started my entrepreneurship journey and I didn't know what I was getting myself into. It's a tough it's a, it is so goddamn hard. It is so freaking hard. It is so freaking stressful because one moment you feel like a rock star, you're making money and then right when your head hits the pillow you have this just intense fear that you're gonna lose every penny you own and um, it's just this back back and forth game in your mind this roller coaster of I'm awesome I suck I'm awesome I suck um, I'm awesome I'm rich I'm poor I'm losing everything like I'm, I'm losing all my money I'm I'm gonna be on the streets um, it's it's a back and forth game in your mind um, so definitely something that I want to talk about in the future. Um, who, who knows? Maybe I'll even talk about it on this podcast. But let's take it back. Actually, no. Before we take it back, let's talk about what I'm doing right now. I'm a filmmaker, an entrepreneur. I keep saying that probably because I'm getting buzzed right now. Um, I do a lot of film work for brands and influencers. That's kind of how I've made most of my money up until this point. Um, I do a lot of work for influencers on YouTube and and brands like Alpha Clothing and and you know doing stuff with G Easy and Stillhouse, which is an alcoholic beverage company, and and doing things with Pusha T, and then another project with Nick Bear, who's a fitness influencer, and a guy named Lewis Howes. I do a lot of stuff for him, which you guys probably you've heard of him. Um, he's a New York Times bestselling author. He's got a huge podcast, um, and he's actually teaching a module in one of my courses, which I'll get to in a second. Um, but I've, do, I've done a lot of different stuff for a lot of different people, which has been fun. And then I have this filmmaking course, and I just came out with a brand new course that basically... You know, if you're a filmmaker, a photographer, it doesn't actually it doesn't really matter. It could be any art or passion, any craft, but it's how to take that craft and turn it into a full time business. How to do that? So that's my second course, and it's called the Creator's Blueprint. So I've got my filmmaking course, and now I've got the the Creator's Blueprint. So I've got two courses, and they kind of they kind of took off. Um, and it was a little surprising. I'll get into that in a little bit, but. Um, I was really surprised and now I'm actually kind of saying no and pushing my filmmaking projects to the side that's kind of taking the back burner and I'm really starting to focus on 
my courses, which is a totally new world for me. And I'm, I'm focusing on my personal brand now and not so much for other people's brands and stuff like that. So it's new territory. It's a totally new world. And once again, I feel like I'm almost starting over, which is kind of strange. Um, so that's what I'm doing right now. I've got my filmmaking courses and I forgot to mention the biggest thing. Waylon. Waylon is a backpack company that I've started or I am starting because um, I don't have any physical product yet. But that is a brand new venture that I've started. And it's a grueling process that I'm figuring out because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I am trying to grow that and turn it into a multi-million dollar business. That's That's my goal. So I think it's a really... You know, doing something crazy enough to, you know, not have security because when you're an entrepreneur, you don't have security. You are on your own. And doing something like that takes a lot of guts. But having that mentorship, that guidance, not only do they help you with actual, you know, strategy and stuff like that, but really the main the main thing that's so so helpful with having a mentor is knowing that it's actually possible because you see these people on instagram youtube whatever and they're riding around in their rolls royce and their bentleys and all that bullshit um and it just seems so so unobtainable you can't it's just impossible to obtain that lifestyle then you meet them in person and you sit in their vehicles and you live their lifestyle and you you see what they actually do and it's like wow these are normal people i'm I, th- I can do this. So that's really why mentors are so helpful to me. Let's let's take it back now. So just to summarize what I've said, I'm a, I'm a filmmaker, entrepreneur. I kind of put my filmmaking stuff to the side a little bit. You know, it's, I can still start that up again. But, you know, to do what I really want to do, I've had to push that to the side and just focus on me and my personal brand and go all in on that. And that is my courses, and that is Waylon. Let me let me talk about how how this became a reality. Living in Los Angeles, making six figures per year, doing what I love, and freaking out about it. You know, we got to take it back to my childhood because it does explain some things. Um, but I was I was basically an only child. I grew up as an only child, even though I do have a half brother. He's eleven years older than me. Uh, but we didn't grow up together. So basically, I was an only child. I had both my parents. I had an amazing childhood. I, had, I played sports. I had friends. Um, I was spoiled as hell. I was pre- basically given everything that I needed and that I wanted, um, which which hurt me in the future because it kind of made me lazy. You know, I didn't want to work for anything, but I was also not really passionate about anything. Um, but in high school, I was a volleyball player and a golfer and I was going to play college volleyball, but I I didn't end up playing. And so in high school, high school, I had it really easy. Like I was smart enough where I didn't need to, um, work that hard to get through school. I wouldn't get good grades. I never applied myself, but I was smart enough where I could just get by. So I was lucky with that. 
um, or else I would have totally bombed out for sure, hundred percent. I mean, I copied on, I copied people's homework and stuff. I even copied my ACT score. I don't know how I did it, um, but I copied my ACT. I think I got, I got a twenty-one. I think my first score, something like that, or maybe maybe it was less. Maybe it was like an eighteen or nineteen. It was something really bad, or that what was considered bad. And, um, and then my second one, I got a little bit better, maybe like a 22. And then I'm like, you know what? Screw this. I'm just going to try to cheat my way through this thing. And I ended up, I think they alternate certain, like alternate tests. There's like an A test, a B test, a C test. And I took the B test, but I was able to find the kid that had the other B test. I think it was a girl. And I tried to copy her as much as I could. She was like two seats ahead of me. And they do that so that you can't just look to the person next to you and copy really easily. So I think I, I think I was able to look like a couple of students ahead. And I think I, I think I was able, I mean, obviously it worked because I got a 26, which was pretty good. Um, I mean, better, I think better than the average, or maybe that was the average. I don't know. I was just, I was just lazy. I I didn't like school. I was a bad student. I didn't apply myself. I didn't care. Um, I also didn't like the classroom. The biggest fear of mine, when I was in Spanish class in middle school, Spanish class, I think, screwed me. It, like, totally messed me up because it just made me fear the classroom because there was this one moment where I just wasn't understanding Spanish and I was so embarrassed I just couldn't understand the language and I took my mom made me go through like summer school in Spanish because she really wanted me to learn I remember this one moment where I had to get up in front of everybody and say something in Spanish and I couldn't do it and I froze and I got really red and I ended up going home and I just cried and then my mom dragged me because I, I told her the story and my mom ended up grabbing me and, and taking me to school and talking to my teacher and saying, you please help him um, get through Spanish. Like we'll, we'll come early or we'll go after school hours or whatever. And I was just, I just remember being so incredibly embarrassed and from that moment forward, I was just afraid of looking stupid in front of people. And that's my biggest fear even to this day is, is being afraid to look stupid in front of people. So I got through high school. I had a lot of friends from different groups and especially through sports. I was a really good athlete, played volleyball. Uh, I was going to play college volleyball. And last minute, I decided not to. Because I just I just didn't like the schools recruiting me. They were all like Division three schools, and I wanted to play Division one, but my height was an issue. I'm five eleven and a half. I'm like six foot with shoes on, and so I could play D one, but I would have been like a practice player, and I would have barely played. And I didn't want I didn't want that. I wanted to be a starter. So I was looking at the D three schools, and I just didn't like any of the schools. They were really small. Men's volleyball is just not it's just not big in the NCAA. It's just not a big sport. So I decided not to play college volleyball. I just didn't like the schools. And the only school that I applied to that was not a volleyball school was Marquette University. And the only reason why I applied to Marquette University 
was because my my mom and a lot of like her side of the family like a lot of them went to Marquette and they're all from like Milwaukee and just the Wisconsin area and so I applied there just because I felt comfortable there and I don't think I got in right away I think I got like waitlisted and then I probably got in because I had relatives that went there or something I don't know um, the only thing I think that even got me in was because of my AT- ACT score. My my GPA was like probably below a three. I don't know what it was, but it wasn't good. It wasn't good enough. Um, so I got waitlisted, and then finally I got in. Going from high school, being a pretty popular kid, and having f- tons of friends, and being on two varsity sports teams since freshman year, like. I just thought I was the shit, except for the classroom. Everything else, I thought I was very confident, and you know, I felt really good about myself. And then when I went to college, everything changed. My world flipped upside down. I didn't know who I was. I had zero confidence, and I got maybe not clinically depressed, not actually depressed, but I sure as hell felt really depressed because I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to go to class. I didn't want to do anything except stay in my room and play Call of Duty all day long. Maybe some of you can relate to this story. I don't know, but I'm going to keep going. So what happened was I stopped playing sports in college because I didn't play volleyball. And I did end up playing club volleyball at Marquette, and I played for a semester my freshman year. The second semester of freshman year, I decided to play because I needed to change things up. I was so just frustrated with what was happening in my life and it sucked because I didn't really I didn't get a bond with the players you know if you're not if if you're on a team and you don't like the people you're playing with you don't you're not really connecting that's just going to be impossible um you're not gonna you're not gonna play well or maybe you will play well but you're it's just not going to be a good experience because you're traveling with the team you're going to practice you're going to games um, you're going to tournaments in different locations. There's a lot of travel along with it, even in the club, in the in the, in the club world in college. So after my second, after the first semester of playing, I stopped and was like, "This is not good." At the time, I was getting really into lifting weights because I wasn't playing a lot of sports. I had to do something, and I was definitely insecure with how I looked with my body and I always always wanted to be ripped like I would see the guys on YouTube I started watching YouTube and just diving deep into the YouTube fitness community and um and I I just became obsessed I became obsessed going to the gym the the when it really happened was at the summer after high school that's when I really started to lift consistently and I found um this Chris Gethin program, like this 12 week trainer. And I just remember like doing this program, like verbatim, except for the nutrition aspect. And actually, no, I did do the nutrition aspect, but the problem was I didn't mess with my calories, my protein, carbs, and fats. All I did was he would say eat like every two hours. And so I would eat every two hours, but the actual calories that I was taking in didn't it didn't matter because you have to be consuming the proper 
protein, carbs, and fats, right? But I would just eat every two hours thinking like that's all I needed to do. But I followed the training, and at the end of the 12 weeks, I looked exactly the same, and I was so pissed. I mean, yeah, I put on like a little bit of muscle maybe, and I just remember being so pissed. And so that's when I I dove deep into the YouTube fitness community and actually started learning the truth about diet and how to manipulate your weight and put on as much muscle as possible. And so that's what I did. I, I lifted as, as much as possible. It became my escape from college. I would skip class after class and go lift weights instead. I would skip class and just, you know, if I didn't train that day, if it was an off day, I would go skip class and I would play Call of Duty. And I would play video games for four to six hours every single day, at least four hours, at least like that. Four hours was like, eh, that wasn't that much game time. I was in, I was so into Call of Duty. I forgot, God, what, which one was it? I forgot. But my buddy, my buddy, Chris, he was my, my childhood best friend. And, um, we would play video games we would play Call of Duty against each other. He got me really into Call of Duty. He's like a really, really good player. And he would get me, he got me really into Call of Duty and just gaming in general. And um, I would, like, that was the thing that I would do. Like, I would try to improve my Call of Duty. Like, I didn't try to improve my grades. I didn't try to improve anything else except for lifting weights, eating, and Call of Duty. Like, that was my life. And the problem was I just wasn't connecting with anybody at school. Like, I could not connect on a deeper level. I felt like no one understood me. And the problem was I thought it was my fault. And that's why I was so depressed and so sad. And I just wanted... I wasn't suicidal, but I wanted to drop out. And I wanted to get out of there so badly. And the only reason why I was still there was because I knew my parents like they wanted me to go through that they you know times have changed where college is not necessary anymore unless you need it to be a to have a certain profession if you want to have a certain job a certain occupation that needs that degree well then guess what you got to go to school but if you don't school nowadays is extremely unnecessary because of the power of the internet and Gary Vaynerchuk talks about this all the time. And he even thinks school is going to be extinct in 30 years or whatever. I don't know what he said. Um, and the only thing they got that they're promoting is the community aspect, the relationship aspect, the networking possibilities. That's the only thing they got these days. But guess what? You could take all that tuition money and and go and, and travel the world and meet people from every single country if you wanted to or you know this is also coming from gary gary v he said you know you could take that money and go and just go to every single rave or music festival um but definitely much better option than spending all that money for a piece of paper and and being in in serious debt uh, for a long time back to school back to college um my sophomore year and there's this one moment where i called my mom i'm like you got to get me out get me out of here i hate it here i want to drop out please dear god let me drop out of this horrid place and it wasn't it wasn't marquette 
at all. I'm not talking trash about Marquette. It's just the school environment in general. It could have been any school, and I would have been miserable. And that's because it's just a certain mindset. I loved doing things my own. I was a lone wolf. I had... I wanted to be an entrepreneur, and I didn't know I wanted to be an entrepreneur. But I, I, I get this from my dad. I, I really I don't like authority that much. And I always wanted to do something on my own and, and create something. I was always an artist, and I never knew it because of society and just, and just being with other people and letting them influence you, really, is what it is. That shit, that, that, all that artistic creation that freedom that gets that shit gets shoved down being with people that don't want to do that and there's a lot of people like everyone <clears throat> everyone is an artist when they're born when they're a little kid everyone just explores and plays and and everyone is an artist and a scientist maybe maybe you could call them one in the same but um you know everyone is just curious as a child like what's this what's this they ask a million different questions and as we get older we lose that um and so i lost that but uh, fortunately i was able to find that again and um you know even as a kid i would rearrange the furniture in my home um thinking like oh this looks better no this looks good i was such a visual i was i was a visual learner a visual person a visual creator and my parents told me this later on they thought I was going to be gay they thought I was going to be homosexual because I love to rearrange the furniture but I just you know I love to create I love design and I love visuals you know um so I was like I said I was able to kind of find that again later on um but you know school just was not for me and I blamed myself and that was the problem not only was I, I didn't have a lot of friends, I wasn't able to connect with people, but I was getting rejected by, by girls. You know, I had, I had a lot of girlfriends in high school. I, I had like a new girlfriend every year. And it was just, I don't know, I don't know why. Maybe I, I, I think it was, I think it was just a confidence thing, even though I was pretty introverted. Um, but I was just, I just was a conf, more confident. And then in college, I kept blaming myself. And I think those, just the insecurity of that, you could see it pretty easily. And so maybe that was it. But I, I was just getting rejected. And and then after that, after I got rejected by a couple of girls, that was the first time that happened. Um, then I, I really was in kind of a, a real shitty mindset and in kind of a dark place. I was in a dark place for sure. But long story short, I graduated. And I, you know, I did, I I really, I did it for my parents. I didn't want to do it. I I did it for my parents. Um, But I was able to just get through it. And I got through it. And I remember on my graduation day, even my dad, on graduation day where they give you your diploma and everything, he didn't even want to be there. He called me during the middle of the ceremony. After, right after I got my diploma, he called me in the middle of the ceremony. He's like, I'm done. Let's get out of here. During like mid speech, I was the only student to get up and go and leave, and everyone's looking at me, and I'm like, guys, like all of my, all of my classmates in in my, uh, I was in a, I was a advertising major, 
um, and, a, and I was in the College of Communications. All of my, my classmates, I was sitting around them. I'm like, guys, um, it's been real, but I'll never see you guys again, and I'm out of here. <laughs> I just left, and me and uh, my dad and my mom, we got out of there, and that was it. That was the last time I stepped foot on Marquette campus, and it was probably the greatest, greatest one of the greatest days of my life, just being out of there. But speaking of how I got to, just really quick, because this is a good, I promise, this is a good side story, um, how I got to my advertising major and my advertising degree, really quick. I know this is the back, I'm like all over the place right now. But <clears throat> I originally got accepted to Marquette um, through the business school, which is kind of, it's kind of amusing. Um, now that I'm like in business and art at the same time. Um, but I got, yeah, I got through, I got into Marquette through the business school and on orientation day, I met these two girls and both of them were cute, but one of them I was more attracted to and I was really into her and I had just broken up with um, my, I, I didn't break up with her. That was an ex-girlfriend of mine. She broke up with me. She, she went to Michigan and, um, and I, I just remember she broke up with me. I was like, I was a total wreck. It was not, it was not great. It was like one of my real relationships. So it was like my legitimate first heartbreak. But, um, I just remember this girl, she was super cute. And, um, she was studying biomedical science and I had no idea what the fuck that was. I didn't know, but it sounded amazing. And she's, uh, she was studying to become a dentist. Both of her parents are dentists and she's like, I'm going to be a dentist and I'm going to take over my, my parents, um, practice. So she had her whole life set up basically, you know? And I'm like, well, um, that sounds really good. You know, I like fitness. I lift a lot of weights. I like the human body. I like anatomy. Maybe biomedical science would be good for me. And it wasn't, but here's this cute girl standing in front of me. I'm like, well, maybe, maybe this, this is my sign. And so I literally switched majors because of this freaking girl. And boy, was that a mistake. I did not know what the hell I was getting myself into. I should have stayed in business. Actually, I should not have stayed in business. because I'm glad I didn't do business because you know what? Probably would have ruined entrepreneurship for me. Probably would have put business, would have tainted that word for me. But anyways, I switched majors. I was in biomedical science, which if you guys don't know, is a pre-med track. So I was in pre-med. I don't know how I got in. I, I, I don't know how any of this happened. I don't know what I did. But um, I was taking chemistry and biology in the same major. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And all I cared about was being in this girl's class. She had no idea. She, I don't even know. She might even be listening to this and, and might find out for this for the first time. Who knows? Long story short, I failed chemistry. I got a B, I had a B in biology, and then the last, like, three, four weeks of the semester, I got it down to a D. So, 
I ended up in academic probation. So here's this kid in high school who's got it made in his head. He's like, I'm, you know, he's a good athlete. He's got a girlfriend. He's got friends, all this good stuff. And now first semester of school, no friends, no girl, no sports. And he's on academic probation sitting in the dean's office starting to cry because the dean is telling him if this happens again, you're getting kicked out of college. Freaked me out totally freaked me out and um right after that um that was my first semester of college so my second semester I was like I can't do this um I eat I literally picked the easiest major I could think of and that was advertising and communications because everyone's like oh communications is so easy so I picked advertising and um and I switched majors. I switched to advertising, and then I minored in graphic design. And that was the smartest, best thing I possibly did. I The graphic design minor saved my college career because it was the first time where I felt like, even though it was scary and hard, and because I didn't think I was an artist at the time, I felt like I belonged more. In the middle of my graphic design classes, I didn't know that this was good for me. But afterwards, I'm really glad it happened because it did open my eyes to things. And it did help me um, with my filmmaking career and stuff like that so far. Um, But I enjoyed it the most. And it was like my little escape. Um, So it was good. Um, I I could tell more stories. I don't want to get into it. We're like... We're like too far ahead. Uh, if you want to listen to more college stories and why I was so miserable and how I got through it, um, let me know. Drop a comment. Drop a review. I don't know how any of this shit works. Uh, it's a new platform for me, but let me know. Um, so, like I said, graduated college. I, I escaped. I had like a 2.6 or 2.7 GPA. I was able to get it up because of my graphic design. I got A's in graphic design, um, which, like I said, I mean, without that graphic design, I don't know what would have happened. Um, but I graduated school, and throughout my college career, I was uploading YouTube videos. Like I said, I was obsessed with fitness and obsessed with the YouTube fitness community. And my fitness at the end of college was huge. Like that's what I was known for everyone knew me as like this meathead lifter and all I cared about was lifting weights and personal training I got my personal trainer certification through NASM I'm like I'm going to be a trainer like I'm going to start my own training business this is what I'm going to do and so when I graduated college I was uploading I was still uploading YouTube videos and it just it wasn't going anywhere I saw the Christian Guzmans of the world. I saw all of these fitness influencers and I loved lifting weights, but what I really saw was their fame and their success and their money and their lifestyle. And I really wanted that. I didn't care about the journey. I wanted the success. I wanted the spotlight. I wanted these things. And there wasn't a lot of passion with my videos and my fitness videos were terrible not only were they bad but i was so embarrassed to show friends show family and whenever like some of my friends would would see my videos 
um, especially girls. I they, I was so embarrassed. And like a lot of them made fun of me. Honestly, I wish I kept those videos because now I'm not embarrassed. Now it shows how far I've come. Um, but I deleted some of them because that's how embarrassed I was. So super embarrassed and was personal training. And I just, I just hated it. I hated everything. I hated going to work. Um, I hated uploading videos. Nothing was good. But out of this frustration came this obsession with trying to make just videos better. I didn't care about the fitness anymore. I cared about just making my videos better because they were so bad. And so that's when the motto was, was formed. I want to create my next video better than the last. And that is still the motto or the bio in my YouTube channel today is I want to create my last, my next video. I want to create my next video better than my last. And that's where the motto came from. Just out of my pure, just out of pure frustration and just anger. I was just angry, annoyed. All these people were making these dope videos and I was just making crap. And, um, and during this time, I was very lost because, you know, the personal training was just not working for me and I wasn't making a lot of money. This was like right when I graduated college and my dad was still like, he supported me, but he didn't really understand. My mom was way more supportive than my dad, but even I, even with her, I could tell like just a sense of concern. Like, man, is my son really going to make this? Like, is this going to happen for him? Um, so I could see the doubt, I could see the concern with this whole fitness YouTube training career. And, um, and then finally I just, I caved. I'm like, all right, this isn't working. I'm going to go get a nine to five. I just, I caved. I don't, I don't remember the moment or the day. I just remember like, I just wanted to make money, you know, like I was just sick of this, um, and it just wasn't working out, so I kind of quit. I gave up. And one of my friends, um, it was it was actually the job that I I didn't apply to it, but one of my friends babysat for the for the family, and the the father was a, the vice president at a financial advising firm. And my dad at the time just became a financial advisor. This was like a new thing for him. He was done stock trading he wanted something fresh something new so he became a financial advisor and I'm like cool like my dad makes a lot of money like I can make a lot of money too so I was just seeing it as a pure financial gain I'm like I'm gonna get this job and make a shit ton of money and I remember going to the interview dressed up in a nice suit tie everything and I sat down, and they started asking me questions. I started learning about the business, and I was sitting there, and I'm just like, "Wow, this sucks. <laughs> this is not what I want to do. This is not for me." And it was like at the halfway point in the interview, maybe even less than that. I didn't get up or anything, but I was just—I wasn't even paying attention anymore, nor did I even care about how I was answering my, my interview questions. I'm like, this sucks. I'm so out of here. And when I got back from that interview, I said to myself, it was basically my turning point. I'm like, I'm like, I'm done. Like I'm going to create really amazing 
YouTube videos. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm just going to tr try to create the best videos I possibly can and do what I want to do. I stopped posting fitness um, YouTube videos, and I just purely focused on um, videos that I wanted to create. So before I get into the detail of those future videos, um, I had put out something that really kind of gained in more inspiration for YouTube. Um, I was still lifting weights and I actually competed in bodybuilding and that's a totally different story. I'm not going to talk about it too much in this episode, but um, I put out a transformation video. It was my one video where I was extremely intentional and strategic about everything because I knew these videos had a chance to go viral. And so I was documenting my whole bodybuilding prep and documenting me losing weight over the course of, man, I don't even know, five or six months. I dieted for six months or 200 days of dieting. And I put out my transformation video. I had a, I had the like such a vision for it. It was like everything in my head. I was pretty much able to convey in a video, and this was the first time this has actually happened. I saw it in my head, and I conveyed it through my visuals, my video, and it went viral. It was my one and only video to this day that went viral. And the reason why I'm telling you this is because it has a lot to do with what I'm going to tell you in the future. Um, and it's currently at 1.1 million views. It's my one and only viral video, but I was intentional about it and I was strategic about it. And I knew, I just knew that this was going to be big. I didn't know it was going to go viral, but I knew it was going to be bigger than most of my, any of my videos. Cause at this point in time, I had less than a thousand subscribers. I think I had 500 subscribers and, um, and I was losing faith in YouTube pretty much in my dreams. Um, but this happened and it kind of it reignited. And it was like, it was a slow growth. Um, it got like a few thousand views like in the first week. And I'm like, all right, that's pretty good. And then next week it got 30,000. And then it got 70,000. And then the next week it got 100,000. And every week it would just pretty much double. Next week, 200,000, 300, 400, 800,000 views. And um, it was really incredible. And it's YouTube's one of those things where it's, it's all about SEO. And it can grow randomly. And many years later, it can continue to grow. With Facebook, if a video doesn't go viral, it's probably not going to go viral. But a YouTube video could do nothing and then two years later it could go viral and that's just has to do with the algorithm and 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 seo and and it's basically you know if you were to search something on google you know if a topic started trending you know your video would pop up and so it could get traction two years later that's a totally different story um and something that i go into in my in my courses but um, anyways, after the viral video, after my interview of like, okay, I'm, d I'm done. I'm going back to YouTube. Like, let's do this. I started making videos that I truly wanted to create. And it didn't involve fitness at all because I was not passionate about it. As soon as that happened, 
that's when my audience started to grow. People started taking notice of the way I filmed and edited these videos, my new vlogs, my new vlog series, which I called Rambling Road. That's when people started to take notice. And I started getting comments from people like, wow, I've never seen something like this before. This is cool. And over time, those comments really, really those comments, you guys that are listening to this podcast right now, you guys gave me the inspiration to get better and keep going. Without those comments, without the positivity, I don't know if that would have happened. And I try to do things now that I tr- I'm trying to give back now. And that's what I do with these courses. And that's what I do with my brand is I try to put you guys in situations where you can receive that positivity and that feedback. So, for example, I started a, um, a Facebook group called the Creators League where you can post your work and we critique it and stuff like that. And we give positive feedback and then we also give a little tip here and there some critiques um, but very very positive very very safe community so I wanted to create that for people to get that positive feedback that I received because like I said if I didn't receive that I don't know if I would have kept going I really don't so I started making these rambling road episodes and they were about nothing it was like Seinfeld it was a show about nothing I absolutely loved it it was me and my dad our relationship and uh, my audience just freaking loved it. I, I came out with a, a video called Fixing a Car While Drunk. Fixing My Car Drunk. That's, that was the title of the video. And to this day, it doesn't have the most views, but it has the best engagement out of any video I've put out. The, the ratio of views to likes to comments are the best any uh, any of my videos have the ratio of it the percentage um which is just crazy and mind-blowing to me um but i but like i said i was putting out these videos that i just loved and it was fun because you know it was just stuff that was going on in my life and it's funny because even in my family on my dad's side of, of of the family we would talk about things when i was young before youtube even existed we would talk about like man we should have a show one day. This would be hilarious. Like me and my uncle, Uncle Mike, a.k.a. we call him Uncle Hansy, which some of you guys know, our golf trips. They were freaking hilarious. And we would be laughing by the 16th hole. We couldn't even keep it together. We would just be laughing the whole time, even early, maybe maybe the 14th hole. And we wouldn't even care how we played at that point. We were just laughing so hard. You know, just crude humor, farts, jokes, just potty talk, shit, just random shit. And it was hilarious. And so I would film it now that I had my YouTube channel. I was filming videos that I wanted to film. And um, people loved it. It was hilarious. And so that's what I was doing. I was just filming everyday life. There was really no point. There was a story within each episode, but there was really no overall theme. And I just remember one video. It was actually an older fitness video. Brandon Campbell, who's a big fitness YouTuber, um, he commented on one of my videos. And I've talked about this before on a YouTube video of mine. But 
he commented on one of my videos and was like, hey, man, this is great editing. I love it. Keep it up. Something some pretty basic like that. And I freaked out. I had a total panic attack because I was a big Brandon Campbell fan. And I still am. He's bald as well. I'm also bald. We're bald and we, you know, work in our basement. Anyways, he made that comment and I was so pumped because not only was I a fan of the channel and I watched for a long time, but I knew that he also shouted other channels out, featured them. And after they would feature, he would feature channels, the channel would blow up. Blow up. It would be huge. Um, and so he made that comment and that actually, he backtracking, he made that comment before I started my Rambling Road series. And that was just another, that was just more fuel to the flame. Um, the frustration that I wasn't creating good videos, they're all shitty. Um, the job interview, the, the, the fitness video that went viral and then his comment, that was just all of the fuel that I needed to really, um, try to make really good videos. So he made that comment a little bit later on, maybe a few, a couple of months later after another video that I put out, he commented, um, dude, like your channel is amazing. I love it. Um, if there's any way I can help um, get your channel out there more, please let me know. And my dream became a reality. I'm like, this is it. I am going to be a YouTuber. I have made it. And he featured my channel. I worked so freaking hard. And I look back at the video now, and it's terrible, right? That's, that's just what happens as an artist. Well, it should happen as an artist. Side note. We can, this, this is going to be another podcast, podcast episode. But, um, you know, the more you compare yourself to others, especially as artists, um, the more you kind of forget how far you've come as an artist. So the best way to do that and see if you're progressing is if you look at your work a year later, eight months or, or a year in the past, eight months in the past, maybe even six months, seven months in the past, and you cringe at it, you think, oh my God, I can't believe I did this, it's terrible. You're growing, you're progressing, and you're doing exactly what you need to do. So use that as kind of a, a check. See if you're on the right path. Um, so like I said, I, I, I looked at this video not pretty recently and I'm like oh my god this is so horrible I can't believe people even liked it so that's how I know I'm progressing as an artist but anyways I put out this video I worked my ass off and it got me like 1500 to 2000 subscribers I think and so I reached the thousand subscriber mile mark um, because of the transformation video, I finally reached a thousand subscribers and then his little feature got me, I think I was at like 3000 subscribers, which is crazy. Um, and I was sad. <laughs> I got 2000 subscribers and I was sad because I was expecting this one shout out to make me like I would be an all-star because I was still in that mindset of just wanting the success, the fame not caring about the journey and um i'm like man like damn like what am i doing wrong and then i got a dm from a travis s who is another 
big YouTuber, and I was also a fan of his channel that I've been watching for a long time, so another huge moment for me. And um, I was like, oh my God, this is it, another one. You know, I'm at 2,500 to 3,000 subscribers. I'm like, man, once Travis, he wanted to feature me. He loved my work. He DM'd me saying, I love your work. I want to feature you. And um, I'm like, this is it. This is this is going to be it. It's definitely going to be it with Brandon. Now this, um, this is it. I'm made. Um, and I did the best video I possibly could, long story short. I look, I look back at it now, and I'm like, wow, that's, that's a horrible video. <laughs> and... Um, and it got me another 2,000 subscribers, something like that, which is great. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's amazing. But I had this mindset of, you know, one feature, another feature, like I'm like I'm going to be rolling in the Benjamins and, you know, everyone loves me and all this bullshit. I think I'm at like 5,000 subscribers, something like that, which just was like mind-blowing to me. And I keep creating my Rambling Road series. And... Then I get another DM and this another fitness influencer, Matt Keto, contacts me and he's like, Hey man, like I've been watching your work. I saw your feature with Brandon and Travis and how would you feel about flying out with me to the Arnold and film a vlog for me and also do work for Alpha Clothing? And I was like, oh my God, this is insane, man. Like, this is it. Like, I've made it, you know? And um, it was one of the hardest weekends ever. Um, you know, I barely, I didn't make much, but I didn't care. I just wanted the experience. And that's another thing these YouTubers, like, you know, a lot of them are going to try to take advantage of you. I'm not saying Matt Keto took advantage of me. Um, it was a win-win for both of us. So there was no taking advantage. But these YouTubers, you got to be careful as a artist because you can get taken advantage of, especially when doing free work and stuff like that, which will be in future podcasts. But I would have done anything. I wanted the opportunity, um, and I wanted the networking, and I would do I, – I, I got paid, but it just wasn't a lot of money for the amount of work that I did. I made two videos. I made one, a vlog for Matt Keto that I had to edit the night of. So I was up all night long, all night long. I got so sick on this trip at the Arnold. It was a great experience. I got so damn sick. And, um, and I had to make a short film for Alpha. And it was really after I made that short film that, okay, now I started to become a name in the fitness industry as a filmmaker and I was known as a filmmaker and not a fitness youtuber slash youtuber anymore period I was a filmmaker well so I thought like amateur filmmaking and that's when I started to get a lot of business in my 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 personal training I was, I was still personal training at the time, guys. Still personal training. My filmmaking gigs, when I, I was getting hired, started to match my personal training. And so I started making pretty good money, especially living at home with my parents, not having to pay rent. 
And then I started, I totally rebranded myself. I did not brand myself as an entrepreneur or I did not brand myself as a, as a, as a personal trainer anymore. I did not push it. I did not market myself as a personal trainer. Anytime I got a new client, it was all word of mouth. Everything was filmmaking now. And I deleted my entire Instagram and everything I posted was about photography, like my, my pictures, my, my photos that I would shoot and my filmmaking. I started getting more clients. I got clients every single month. I would work with influencers. I would work and do weddings. I started to do weddings and, um, and I felt really, really good. And there was this one, there's this one moment where this really big fitness influencer, this was, this was actually at the Arnold. He had a series going, I'm not going to name any names here, but he had a series going and he needed an intro for his series. And I found out how much money he paid for the filmmaker to do his intro. All these fitness YouTubers, all, all, all YouTubers have intros for series and just their channel and stuff like that. And so I found out how much money this guy paid for this filmmaker. And I was like, at the time I was like, Oh my God. Like if I just did a couple of those a month, I would be so set. I would be like, at the time I'm like, man, I made it like, that is it. Like, I don't like I'm living the the high life, you know? And I'm like, I want to do that. I want to be a filmmaker that comes and does these really high quality uh, projects, not vlogs. I was still, I was filming and doing vlogs for influencers. And that's actually, that's how I met Nick Bear. Um, He hired me to do a vlog for him. And, um, and over time we became really good friends. And that's actually, that's actually another, that's a totally different story which I'll get into. Um, I don't want to make this too long, but uh, it's kind of a funny story how we became friends. And, um, but I would, my point is I would, I would do these vlogs for influencers and I just, I didn't like it because it was just a vlog. I wanted to create super high quality, like real, like I want to create a movie. I wanted to create movie quality stuff and I couldn't do that with a vlog because it was so run and gun. Um, even though I like to think my vlogs are like mini movies in, in a way, but still they're, they're not very thought out and planned because it's a vlog. It's just life, you know? Um, so I didn't really enjoy it that much. It was kind of fun in the beginning, but then I was starting to get old. So then when I heard how much money this, this filmmaker makes per project, I'm just like, that's the guy I want to be. I don't want to be this guy that's like, hey, man, can you make a vlog? Like, I'll pay you like 300 bucks. That was the slap. That was a slap to the face. That was an insult to me because I felt like I had a quality product or a film that was more than that. Or I could produce more than that. I was better than that. And so later on in the future, I had made a name a pretty decent name for myself within the fitness industry as a, as a, as a quality filmmaker and YouTuber. And that same person that hired that, that filmmaker to do the intro video DM'd me. And this person wanted me to make a vlog series for him or her. And 
it was something I really had to think about because here's this really successful influencer and the person, here was the problem. This person said that they, after hearing how much money this person paid the filmmaker for one video, I was expecting something like that for this series that this person wanted to do. And what I heard was not my expectation. I I don't think I felt insulted. I just felt like, you know, I'm more than this. The person was using their um, following as more of a a benefit than monetary gains. So the person wanted to pay me a few hundred bucks per vlog and wanted me to make a vlog every day for a week or something like that for a certain series or whatever. And I had a really big decision to make. Here is this big-time influencer, millions of uh, followers on social media, where they feature me and I would have gained potentially a big following if I continued to work. I I probably would have gained a big following. And I I would have gained a big following because I'll tell you in a little bit why. So I had a really big decision to make. And I thought about it, and I just something in my gut was telling me, no, don't do this. And I think when you have a really, really big decision, you have to think about it. Don't dwell on it too much, but think about it. Make a decision and don't look back, even if maybe it wasn't the best decision. And I ended up saying no, or what I what I really said was I want to be paid this much versus this much, and then it ended up being no. Was it the wrong decision? Was saying no the wrong decision? I don't know, but in my gut at the time, it felt like it wasn't right. Not that it would have, you know destroyed my career or made my career it just it just didn't feel like the right fit at that time and I said no and I don't look back at it but sometimes it's hard because you know when you play that comparison game and you start comparing yourself to other people I see the person that was and that did end up getting hired after me and they have a big following now on Instagram. And I see that and I'm like, wow, that could have been me. But you can't let that determine your happiness in life and your success. Because I know deep down that I made the right decision. Because with what I'm doing now, that might not have happened if I decided to go that route. Okay, skipping ahead. As after, after I said no... The next influencer was right around the corner. And this is why I knew I made the right decision. So what happened was I was on Twitter and my buddy Chase Tuning, shout out to Chase Tuning, Chase tagged me in this tweet and I read it. You know, Lewis is looking for a videographer, filmmaker in New York City to travel with him um, on his book tour. And so I just, you know, I'm like, you know, what do I have to lose? So I DM'd him and I might have sent him an email. I think I just, honestly, I think I just DM'd him on Instagram. And I'm like, hey, you know, really short and brief. So I was like, hey, my name is Zach Kravitz. Like I'm a, I'm a videographer, I'm a filmmaker, videographer or whatever. Um, here's my work. Boom. 
two hours later, he DMs me. I'm like, okay, this is nuts. Um, and he's like, are you in New York City? And I said, no, but I'm willing to fly there. And every single response I gave him was like very short, sweet, and concise to the point and everything that he he needed, I gave him. Um, he's like, well, I'm really looking for someone local. Um, and I'm like, well, fuck, like this isn't going well. He was, I felt like he was starting to turn me down. Like, Hey, I really want someone local. This isn't going to work out. And I said, no, like I will fly out there to, I'll fly out there from Chicago and I will meet you there and I will pay my own way. That's what I said. He's like, okay. And that was it. And you know, this was literally, um, five days before I left New York City. It was super last minute. So I flew to New York City, and I was I was so freaking nervous. Um, we FaceTimed beforehand. I was just I was just nervous. This whole situation, this was the biggest thing that's ever happened to me. I'm like, this is freaking crazy. I'm flying to New York City. I'm going to meet this guy. I don't even know him. I just listened to his podcast. Like, you know, I didn't even know really what he looked like that much. Um... I, I, I didn't even know what was going on. I didn't really get briefed because it was so last minute. And so I remember I got to New York City and I rented an Airbnb. And I was just in New York City visiting with Travis S. And meeting up with my buddy Amos and a bunch of his friends who are my friends now. We've all kind of connected through Instagram. And I was just in, in New York. And I got home and then this whole Lewis situation. So I flew back to New York and I stayed in this really shitty Airbnb. It was a one-bedroom Airbnb. I do not recommend staying in a shitty Airbnb that's a one-bedroom. If you're ever going to stay in an Airbnb, try to get the entire house if you can or just make sure that it's really, really nice. But the reason I did that was because I just I didn't want to spend a lot of money. You know, I was just in New York City with Travis and we got this really nice little apartment and it was in a prime loca- prime location and so it was a lot of money for me at the time and so I'm like you know what I'll just kind of dog it like I don't want to spend that much money blah 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 so big mistake it was disgusting I was with other men that were also disgusting I felt very uncomfortable I didn't feel safe um, the service was terrible. It smelled. There was just some just nasty stank, like just rotting eggs. It was just gross. And on top of that, because I was so stressed out, I got sick. Um, but I remember Lewis texting me like, hey, man, got a meeting in 30 minutes at some coffee shop. Can you be there? And I didn't know where the hell it was, but I just said, yeah, I'll be there, you know. And, um, and I just remember just running all over the place, sweating, like just so uncomfortable. And then I got to this coffee shop and, uh, I met him for the first time and he just gave me a big bear hug. He, he hugs everybody. That's, that's his first, that's how he does it. He, he just, he hugs people. Um, he doesn't really do the handshake thing unless like he could tell you're extremely uncomfortable, then he might not. Um, but anyways, long story short. New York City was insane, and this will be probably another podcast episode, just kind of my experience with him, what I've learned. Uh, It was crazy doing, like, just going to the craziest meetings, 
Um, I couldn't even tell you like where we went because it was such a blur, but just like meeting all of these like high level people, um, these celebrities, I just felt like, where am I? Who is the, like, I just felt like such an insignificant piece of crap. Um, and also it was awesome at the same time. I met, I, I met people like Dasha Polanco who stars on Orange is the New Black. We're just hanging out at the Soho house in New York City or one of the Soho houses in New York City. I'm just like, this is a world that I just, I, I knew existed, but it just was never in. Um, it was crazy. And just like walking on the street and having these people come up to us like, oh my God, I listen to your podcast. Oh my God, Dasha Polanco. I like, I love Orange is the New Black. It's my favorite show. It was just, it was just crazy for me. Um, and I got addicted. I loved it. And so I got home from the whole Lewis trip and I like, it was kind of my, like, it was such a breakthrough moment just being introduced to that, that new world of, of, of influencer and, and success and success. Um, where I'm like, man, like I really like, this is something that I want to do. And then I got hired by a female entrepreneur, Catherine's and Kina shout out to Catherine. And she needed a retreat video done in Bali. And it was a huge project. And I had to fly to Bali and, and, film for seven days and create a, a retreat highlight video and Catherine is my age and she's got a multi-million dollar company now multi-million dollar business called the manifestation babe and she's my and she's my age she's 20 26 years old she's got a husband named brennan and they they've turned into really really great friends of of mine and my girlfriend wicks um, but I was hired by her to do this retreat video, so I flew to Bali. Long story short, she she probed me. This is what I called it. She probed me. She started asking questions all about my life. You think of her as like almost like a female Tony Robbins. I know she. I don't think she really likes being called that, but it's the quickest, fastest way I can describe her. So she she started asking all these questions, and she found out that I was actually sitting on this course. Lewis, when I was in New York City, Lewis told me I should start this course. It's like it's a great way to make money, connect with your audience, all all these things, yada yada yada. And so I told her about this, and she's like, "You need to do this course now." And I'm like, "Okay." And it was like this whole this whole retreat was crazy. It was just it was like one giant breakthrough for me, and my vision started to get more narrow and more narrow and more narrow. And um, I'm I'm really skipping a lot here because I've been talking so much, and I'm gonna lose I'm gonna lose my voice in any second now. Um, she's like, "You gotta you gotta do this course ASAP." And we just talked a lot. Like I just realized. Like we had a lot in common and we connected on a deep level and really seeing her. Lewis helped me a lot for sure. He opened me to a new world. But it was really meeting this this girl, Catherine. Um, she was more relatable to me because of her age um, and what she is doing and being able to really see um, everything. And, and, and she, basically she she gave me the time, which was key. She she let me into her world and showed me how she did things truly, um, and so she became another mentor of mine. So Nick, Lewis, um, Catherine, 
all these people started becoming my mentors and opening kind of their world to me. So I'm very lucky in that aspect. Um, so this whole Bali trip was like one giant realization and it was basically my kickstart to no more fucking around, like, let's go. Because all of this was, you know, I was getting more gigs and stuff like that. And I actually quit personal training throughout this whole journey because I started making more money as a filmmaker and I decided to go all in. Not only did I decide to quit my film or quit my personal training but I also moved out of my parents house and um and this will be another podcast I've talked about it before but we were, we were sitting on the the floor of O'Hare um international airport in Chicago because he was flying I think back to LA to, for, to finish his book tour and I was staying there I just drove him to the airport because I'm, I'm ba- I was based in Chicago at the time and I told him, I'm like, dude, I what what is the one thing I need to do to take it to the next level? Because I was making money, you know. I was like, I was making, I was I I made I was basically making, I was making like a little over seventy grand for a kid out of college that like that was living at his parents' house, you know, that had no bills. Like, that's that's a lot of money when you don't have any bills, you know. I wanted I wanted to up level. I just I wanted to grow and get bigger and bigger and better and improve and make more money so I didn't have to worry about money and all these things. Um and move out of my parents' house, really. And that was what he said. I asked him, I'm like, Lewis, like what is the one thing I need to do to up level? He's like, You gotta make yourself extremely uncomfortable. You need to move out of your parents' house immediately. And I was like, Wow, okay. Um, and it was so scary at that point in time. It was so scary, but that's what I needed. I needed that because taking it back all the way to the beginning of this pot of this episode, you know, I was given everything as a kid, you know, I was comfortable. I wasn't uncomfortable. I was very comfortable. I was making good money and I didn't have any bills. And even to get to that point, I had to create this artificial fire to make me work hard. I had to create this artificial. It was artificial because I was kind of spoiled. I had my own mental suffering. And now I've talked about that like in college and stuff like that. I had my own mental suffering. But in terms of where I lived and what I had, you know, I was I was I felt like I had this subconscious comfort like I could fall back on my parents. And I didn't want that feeling. It was holding me back. So he was telling me, you know, you need to break out of that, break out of your shell, break out of your bubble, get uncomfortable and get out, do something different. And so I did. I moved out of my parents' house. I moved to Chicago. I was still scared. I couldn't quite do it. He's like, you need to move to L.A. You need to move L.A., New York, like go to somewhere where people are doing what you're doing but doing it 10 times better and making 10 times more money. That's where you need to go. And um, I just couldn't do it. I took baby steps, which was totally cool. I moved to Chicago. You know, I was moved out. I finally was paying rent. I was paying $2,100 a month for rent and then other bills. And then finally I ended up moving to L.A. Um, But it just, it took me, you know, that little baby step. But anyways, back to Bali. Um, it was such a um, 
a breakthrough for me and it totally kickstarted me into what I am doing now. And without Catherine, I don't know if I ever would have started that course. She told me exactly what I needed to do. And let me tell you guys, like, if you want to talk about being uncomfortable, selling your first product is probably one of the most uncomfortable things you could ever do, at least for me. I was so uncomfortable. I remember putting out my filmmaking course. Right when I got back from Bali, I got to work on my filmmaking course. And I felt like throwing up. The very first post I made, I I filmed it about 100 times on my Instagram story. And I didn't want to put it up. And luckily, my girlfriend is very supportive. And she helped me through that as well as Catherine. Uh, but I, I, I literally felt like throwing out, throwing up. I felt like a fraud. I felt like a piece of shit. Um, I think a lot of YouTubers and a lot of influencers have this problem who aren't actual entrepreneurs. They're just like content creators. I hate that word content, but you know, whatever you want to call them, content creators. A lot of people have that problem of selling, and um, I think that really holds them back. But that's another, another, another podcast. Um, but yeah, I felt like throwing up, and without um, without my girlfriend, without um, you know Catherine, that I don't think it would have happened. But I remember I got I was selling my course for six hundred bucks, and I got seventeen people to sign up. I made eleven point two thousand dollars in a week, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is." more than any filmmaking gig I've ever gotten. The highest the highest I've gotten paid for a filmmaking gig was 10 10k for one gig. That was my highest paid filmmaking gig and I didn't no team either. So this this 10k it was all going to me. I was just an individual. So it was a really big deal. And I made 11 and here I put out this course and I made 11.2k in a week and I'm like holy shit this is awesome (laughs) I don't want to do filmmaking ever again I can make 11.2 thousand dollars sitting in my boxers on my couch this was just so surreal to me and I will admit I won't bullshit you guys I started this course because from what I've heard from other entrepreneurs it gave you freedom. I wanted freedom. This was my it was this was the true source of inspiration for why I cr- wanted to start this filmmaking course because I kept hearing like yeah, you you can create some nice passive income and it just gives you freedom. Like that's what I kept hearing. I'm like, "So what do you guys do on a normal day-to-day basis?" And they're like, "Well, you know, we make sure the course is running and everything's good to go, but like we could do it on the beach. We could do it anywhere, you know? And I'm like, oh my, that's amazing. I want that. And the real reason why I wanted it was because I didn't want to do work for other brands and influencers. I wanted to, to, I wanted the time to do my YouTube videos and my own work. You know, I had a lot of things to say. I had my own message and I wanted to work on my own shit for once. And you know, working with other people is great, but I just, there was passion projects that I wanted to do and I wasn't able to do them. You know, there was points where I was only putting out one YouTube video every two weeks 
and it sucked. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to put, put out videos every week consistently, and my paid work was getting in the way of that. And so that's the true inspiration of this, of this filmmaking course that I created. But let me tell you, when it finally started and actually teach, I, was, I, I, I started you know, communicating with these people face-to-face. And I was like, oh, my God, these are real people. Because when you are selling a product or even just an influencer and receiving feedback from people on the Internet, even though it feels amazing and you get that little that drip of dopamine and it's like, you know, for me, like whenever I post it on YouTube, it would be a great day because I was just receiving all these positive comments. So I'd always be a happier person because of that dopamine. It never was fulfilling because they weren't real people to me. Um, you know, these comments, it was just a profile picture and a name. Like, that's not personal. That's not fulfilling. And so when I finally met people in my course, I was like, oh, my God. I have to show up for these people and give them my best. Not that I was going to jip them for money like that. I'm not that kind of person. And my morals wouldn't wouldn't even allow me to do that. But I definitely started taking it a lot more seriously than I was when I was actually just marketing it and selling it. Um, and it changed everything for me. It became extremely fulfilling. Everything that I did on YouTube made it all worth it for this course, if that makes sense, because I got to meet these people. And it was a win-win situation because you know they were paying me money but i was also providing the value that they were seeking um and it was kind of rough in the beginning and you know i'm still getting a lot better at it because i was teaching it live and it was you know a scary thing a lot of people think they're frauds in this game and you have that mentality that you think you're a fraud and you don't deserve their money you don't deserve anything the following and the the positivity like why are you saying nice things to me i'm you know i don't deserve this you know you think that a lot and so i had a lot of those moments throughout the course like you know well who am i to teach this you know when someone else could freaking teach this course you know who am i to you know get paid by these people um so it's been a, just a totally new experience of good and different kinds of struggle mentally too um and then you know my second course that i put out i, I did it I, I did a second launch of this course and i tripled my revenue my second launch ever i tripled my revenue this was the most m- amount of money i've i'd seen in, in not only just one week but one month i mean it was crazy like i was like okay this is this is getting somewhere um, and not only that, it's fulfilling as hell. I'm able to communicate, talk to people, and then also be able to do it anywhere in the world with a Wi-Fi connection. So that is why I have put away the filmmaking projects for other brands and influencers because it was taking away from doing my own thing and my own dreams and aspirations and also my big big future dream and goal and my baby Waylon Waylon Bags um Waylon is a backpack luggage and bag company 
um, that I'm starting or have started. And everyone's like a shoe person. I've always been a bag person. And I love filmmaking, but I love so many other things as well, like business, filmmaking, creative, art, visuals, graphic design, business, product development, research. Like I love all these things. And so the one thing that I could think of that would incorporate all of them is a business like Whalen. And so that's why I started it. And the courses are allowing me the freedom to work on it. Because if I were to do work for brands and influencers, how could I possibly do work? How could I possibly work on the course, work on Waylon, and put out videos and photos on Instagram and YouTube and all my platforms and stuff? It's impossible. Just impossible. So I decided to go all in. And that is 2019, not only going all in on my personal brand, but growing and growing my audience and trying to connect with as many people as I possibly can um, to allow my my dream of building my backpack business because it's just fun. You know, it's fun and extremely fulfilling. Um, that is my story thus far. I left a lot out. I maybe included too much. Um, I'm going to have to edit this, this monster, but hopefully you guys have been able to connect with this. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a filmmaker, I'm an entrepreneur, and I'm trying to put myself in a situation where I can provide for myself, my family, my future family, and not have to worry about money and just have fun and enjoy myself and and create art not just filmmaking but create art in other in other ways like bags and products and stuff like that um so i'm trying to i'm trying to fulfill my dream here i see myself i you know having this vision it's very very clear now it didn't used to be you know, Lewis always asked me, you know, what's your vision? What's your vision? Because I would always ask him, like, you know, what should I do? But he couldn't tell me what I should do because I didn't have a clear vision. Now I have a clear vision, and I envision it every single day. I write it down every single day. I talk about it every single day, and I will continue to do so until I complete and and, and I'm, I am living my vision. And then once I'm living my vision, I'll create a new vision and try to go for more. And it just keeps life fun because, you know, we're only living once and that's it. And then we're all dead. So you might as well achieve something and go for something. So hope you guys enjoyed this first Rambling Road episode. And I'll catch you guys in the next one. Later.